Breaking Mayberry, the show about two men who try to understand 2018 America by diving into old-timey America with the Andy Griffith Show. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm Dan Ludwig. And we have a special guest today, digital storyteller and my co-host on the occasional political theater podcast, Miss Marta Russick. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. And the reason we brought you on is because Today we're doing uh, two episodes, one of which has not aged well at all. No, um, God. God help us. Uh, so we're doing episode season one still, episodes 10 and 12. We're skipping 11. That's a Christmas episode, so we're going to save that for something else. Circling back on that. Yeah, yeah. Episode 10, uh, Ellie for Counsel, uh, directed by Bob Sweeney and written by Jack, Jack Ellison and Charles Stewart. And... Episode 12, Stranger in Town, directed by Don Weiss. And we have to... <laughs> Don Weiss comes back for the weird ones every time. <laughs> well, we have to say goodbye to Don Weiss. I looked it up. This is his last episode. He goes out swinging. He, yeah, he really just, like, charges forward on this. Uh, and by the way, get used to hearing the name Bob Sweeney, because he, like, dominates the next couple of, of seasons, like the next season and a half. It's the most uh, old-timey writer name ever. It just, he looks like... It sounds like the name of, like, an, a farmer... That was trying to, like, sabotage other farmers' plans to grow the biggest pumpkin. He sounds like, like an industrialist you curse the name of. Like, God damn you, Sweeney! I'll crush you in business! <laughs> Bob Sweeney is the name of a Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah. Oh. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you damn kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get into this. Episode 10, Ellie for Counsel, um, directed by Bob Sweeney. Bob Sweeney. Uh, Bob Sweeney. Aired December 12th, 1960. Just always like to give our uh, uh, timeline here. And my reference point is we just elected JFK. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. good point. See, also, I was like looking for a reference point. I was like, have there been any milestones in like like women's voting rights around this time period? Yeah. The Wikipedia page cuts off well before anything mm-hmm. like close to this. Well, that, that's, uh, I mean, I looked up like the history of women running for office. Right. Uh, and I think that the timeline on this is very interesting because this is 1960, um, so a good 40 years after uh, women's suffrage, after the 19th Amendment. And Ellie is well under 40 years old. Right. So she's never known a time when women couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, for everybody who is uh, watching the TV at this point, uh, they're also, like, the younger people are also aware of this. So there's a fun little, like, generation gap, I think, that gets played with here. Mm-hmm. Well, also, women running for office was not anything new at this point. The show kind of treats it as, like, a, uh, like as this, this revolutionary thing. Decades, women had been like successfully running for office. I mean, people who there were people in Congress or the Senate—I can't remember which—that had been elected that didn't even have the right to vote, and they were elected. Yeah, yeah. it was always like a senator's wife who died, or like the senator no, died and the wife was, took over. And... I'm pretty sure there was one that was actually elected. I can't remember who it is right now, and I probably should have researched that before coming. But I mean, fun, I, fun so, you hmm. know, scavenger hunt for our listeners. Go I mean, find I, out who I, it was. I looked it up. I I found like a good timeline of uh, of that stuff. But we've already had 
uh, a female, a couple of female mayors in large cities. The first one was Iowa City, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, uh, the second was uh, like Seattle. We've had we've had women, black women, native women serving in state legislatures at this point. Wow. Uh, so it's yeah, you're right. They treat it like it's something new, but it's new for Mayberry. Right? Yeah. And to be fair, they, they actually they make it a north south thing. I think. Because they, they basically say, like, like, Ellie comes in and says, like, women are getting elected to office all over the country. And, like, Andy says something to the effect of, well, this is the South. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yep. So, let's do the one-sentence Wikipedia description. Uh, Ellie starts a battle of the sexes when she decides to run for town council. Which, you know, you could probably guess from our previous conversation from context clues. Alright, so our episode opens up mm-hmm. with... Uh, a picnic. It's a picnic, and um, Andy a, a, and... A picnic that made me kind of uncomfortable. Like, why? it was... I don't know, just... It's very, like, Natalie Wood, Splendor in the Grass kind of feel to it, especially uh, with Eleanor Donahue. Yeah, a, uh, a little bit. I think just, like, the the level of, like, romance that the show has, like, cultivated throughout. Like, the most, like, the most, like, romantic activity so far has been, like, a kiss on the cheek or, like... Like, vague eyebrows raised, and suddenly they're at a picnic. And based off of, like, the present that this show is set... That was, imme- it immediately felt like almost pornographic. I was like, <laughs> whoa, they're sitting on a picnic together? She's wearing a dress? No, it, it, it does, like, there, there is, like, this weird, like, sexual tension that's, like, wrapped up in innocence around uh, Andy and, uh, and and Ellie. And yeah. Barney and whoever the hell Barney is there with. <laughs> Barney and his, like, latest conquest. <laughs> I can't believe Barney is a ladies' <laughs> man Barney on this show. Barney gets more ass than all of us. But, yeah. Uh, it, it pisses me off, though, because, like, we they went through that whole fucking thing where a man went to jail so that Barney could get with Miss Rosemary. <laughs> and then Miss Rosemary, and then Barney immediately trades up. Yeah, like, drops her ass immediately. We thought that they were recasting Barney's love interest with just hotter and hotter actresses. And no, Barney keeps dumping women. Barney is a lady killer, inexplicably. A chinless lady killer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so. A chinless lady killer of Mayberry. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so so it opens up. Uh, they're all at a picnic. If not for the fact that there's a small child there, I would have been like, this is a swingers group. Uh, yeah. But everyone's just, And Aunt B. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and everyone's just like amazed at the amount that Opie is eating. Like, <laughs> that's that's the opening gag. And he's doing his, sh- his thing. Does he have his guitar out of this Yeah, party? no, yeah, he's, he's playing his guitar. He always, yeah, just to show off. Um. It felt very like college dorm. Like. Yeah, yeah. And they basically they have they do a, a little bit of banter. Uh, Don Knotts and and Hattie May. Hattie May. Hattie May is his girlfriend's name. I don't think she has any lines in this movie. Yeah, I don't think she said anything. She doesn't say anything. We're like we're told that she said something to him later, but like mm. she doesn't. No words actually come out of that woman's mouth. Yeah, it's like the low talker from Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they fuck off. I think Aunt B and Opie also fuck off. Yeah. Like so now it's just. I mean, it's very clear that they want to leave Andy and Ellie, uh, you know, alone together. For yeah. 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 Um, and they're getting cozy when. Andy takes a nap, and he's gonna, like, lay down, and he puts the newspaper over his oh, head. that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ellie immediately, like, latches on to an article in the paper. Pretty good fucking eyesight on her to see, like... Yeah! yeah. To read she reads the, very quickly. Yeah. To both, like, read the fine print of a newspaper from, like, like, uh, like a couple feet away, and then immediately have a, like... Yeah. 
some some feelings on it. An opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, and she begins, like, mulling over the fact that there's no women running for city council. Andy says, well, of course not. One of them could win. Mm. Ellie is immediately offended. Andy says... Oh, that wor- that just slipped out. Let me let me let me put that sentence back in there. Ooh, that doesn't taste too good. Uh, like, ugh. he's scumbag. He's, he's really like he's charming his way out of saying something stupid. Yeah, which is a thing that like we've like we've all done. I have done. I don't know about you, Dan. You have no charm. Nope. Um, Very, yeah, no, th- accurate. He almost gets away with it. Like she's willing to let this shit I go. I did not find that charming at all. No. That was so skeevy. He's willing to let that, sh- or she's willing to let that shit go. But then he keeps pressing it. Uh, yeah, like you, you had an ace in the hole there, bud, and then you he, ruined it, or something along the lines. Of, he keeps saying that it's silly. The notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs her to ad- to say that it's he needs silly. That validation. Yeah. Like, cool, right? Because you feel the same way, right? And it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He, like, he needs her to, like, submit to it being uh, And the thing silly. that makes it worse, Andy gets advice from a, a wife beater in a jail cell. Okay. Oh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. What? <laughs> no, yeah. Listen, we're going to, we're, we're going to talk to Otis, but talking, talking about Otis needs to go in the designated talking about Otis box, because <laughs> otherwise that will be everything. Yeah, okay, good right, enough. We're, we're, yeah. Hold, we're not there yet. Okay, hold on it. I want to say, Ellie has a really weird line where she's just like, oh, yeah, you're, I guess I guess I didn't really want to run for counsel. I was just trying to defend my sex. Ellie's motivation throughout this entire episode is... It is wishy-washy. Really wishy-washy and odd. It's very clearly written by two men. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. So, so the reason for her to, like, stomp off doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she backs down and then she just runs up hot again. Well, he says another stupid thing. He says the word silly again. Yeah. He keeps calling her silly, or he, the he, idea of a woman silly. on council silly. So then she, like, storms off. And I want to say, by the way, this is, like, very well shot. Congrats to Don Weiss. And, like, this whole scene looks really good. Yeah. And she, like, storms off. Then we cut to... Andy, Andy we're now in entering Otis zone. Yes, Andy in the jailhouse. As uh, long as he is in the jail cell, we can talk about Otis. <laughs> Otis has to be on screen for us to talk about him, okay? Because this the is, screaming will never stop. This is, by the way, I like according once again according to the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki. God, um, I need to become a contributor on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the only time we see Otis in jail, not for drinking. This is the only time that he's in jail for something other than drinking. And what he's in for is domestic violence. Uh-huh. Yeah. They use domestic abuse as a punchline like four times. Yeah, yes. no, they make it a reoccurring bit. Like, this, this is okay. It's like Otis's this Baba Booey is hit her in the mouth with some with a leg of lamb. <laughs> All right, so Otis is introduced in episode two, okay. and he's like this, he's this silly little drunk. He's the guy, he's the town drunk who also ha- is late for choir practice. And it's like, oh, look at this, look at this delightful character. Like, it's a, even though he's got his issues, he's still lovable. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, they it's, it's like a WC Fields kind of thing. Like, uh, oh, I am. Yeah. And and then he he comes into the episode and they're like, all right, we're ready to introduce Otis as a full time character. What do you got to say, Otis? Beat your wife. You gotta hit your wife. That's me. Well, that's Otis. That's wait, my opinion. There's context to this though because I was talking about um, that I was going to be part of this episode with my coworkers, and somebody came in. I couldn't help but overhear that you know he beat his wife with a leg of lamb. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode that had a storyline around that? 
Um, there was an episode of Alfred Hitchcock, I think it's Alfred Hitchcock Presents, um, it was like the the alternative to the Twilight Zone, where a woman yeah, yeah, yeah. It was murders, a really shitty version of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I a woman it. murders her husband with a leg of lamb, and then serves the leg of lamb to the two police officers who are called in to investigate it, so they eat the murder weapon. Holy shit, I heard that, like, I think, I've, I, like, my dad told that as, like, a bedtime story when I was a kid or some shit. <laughs> so what the fuck kids, is going on in your house? If it wasn't a lot of lamb, stuff. It's all downhill I've from there. I've heard that story before. Well, but then, yeah, so when I mentioned that, she's like, oh yeah, well, have you heard about that episode? And I'm like, it still doesn't make it okay, but I'm wondering, maybe did that somebody was a, who wrote for that oh. show introduce it into this episode and is trying to make punchline on multiple levels? Like, that could be interesting. Yeah. I, that definitely doesn't redeem it. Yeah, but, but it is an interesting. But maybe they're making it's like with the Simpsons nowadays makes a lot of jokes that are referential jokes. Like if you didn't see the pop culture source that inspired it, yeah. it falls flat because it's so, been sliding to Family Guy territory for like a decade and a half. Right. Yeah. But the point is, maybe this was the Andy Griffith show's way of making a pop culture reference and trying to kick it up another notch. Like, oh, like a blam. I guess she didn't succeed in killing him. I mean, Ooh, I mean. It's a, it's a possible theory, but it's still Again, it's still making domestic no, violence a punchline. Because the and yeah, we, and we've seen them make like oblique pop culture reference before. Like, the, but we we should we should first say uh, what the actual bit was. Sure, sure. Let's yeah, do yeah. this. Yeah, we're, we're, once again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, so so it opens up. Uh, there is this really funny thing I see because we see Andy at the typewriter, kind of hunting and pecking because uh, he's trying to make write an apology letter yeah. to Eleanor. Otis is in his cell, and there's a good visual gag here I love, where, like, the cell is made up like an apartment. He's, like, uh, in a rocking chair reading the newspaper. There's, yeah. like, a, a tasteful lamp and stuff. Like, it's, it's kind of like... <laughs> it's an apartment. Yeah. yeah. With it's, bars on the bottom. Yeah. It's, it's really funny, and it's just, like, like he's there enough that they've just, like, made his room up for him. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I really like that, that bit there. I wish it weren't attached to a domestic violence arrest. Right. I wish it was just... Like his public intoxication shit. Andy goes to Otis for advice on the apology <laughs> letter that he wrote to Eleanor. Uh-huh. Um, I don't even remember. Was it a good apology or was it one of those like, I'm sorry, you were offended kind of shit? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was kind of, he, he apologized. He just basically said, I'm sorry I said something stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. it was something along those lines. Like, he doesn't really apologize for the underlying thing, but he just says like, I'm, I'm sorry that this put a rift in our relationship. Yeah, I you know miss it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've definitely seen worse apologies. Oh, yeah. Um, and Otis is just kind of like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, Andy. This will not do at all. You can never apologize to a woman. I... Like, you got to put her in her place. Uh-huh. And, and, and Andy's just like, yeah, but you're here because you... Like you got into a fight with your wife. Not a fight. Like he he beat his wife up. It's not a well, fight. She, no, like, he swung it. Oh, so the joke is he swung at his wife with a leg of lamb, and uh, uh, and and Otis says, "Well, I missed, didn't I?" Did I hit your- yeah, but you hit her mother. And then Otis, like with his like his his hands around jail cell bars, like face pressed up, beady eyes, like going out of a fat face. She goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Like he's a, really a, taking a, joy in how much he hit his, his woman's mouth. Devious cackle, like, yeah. um, and it was apparently a uh, large hit because uh, a little bit later, uh, Barney comes into the office and says, "Oh, Otis, I saw your mother-in-law coming out of the dentist. Yeah, like, he, apparently knocked some fillings loose. Like, which it's a leg of 
Ram that he must have hit her hard. Or it was frozen like the story in the Oh yeah. Oh, okay. oh shit. If it was frozen that that's like a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. So there's the more you think about it, I mean at the time domestic violence was known as a, a family issue. Like oh they're just having family issues, they'll work it out. It wasn't really looked upon as a police matter. Um, and that is the explicit moral of a later episode of people, couple, like a husband and wife fighting. They're just working things out. Yes. Yeah. There were, and there were code words. Like no one, there was no name for it at that point. The name domestic violence didn't come around, I think until like the late sixties, early seventies, maybe even later than that. Mm. But yeah, it was a, oh, it's the, it's a, it's a family problem. They're, they're have to get their own house in order. Yeah. And you don't want to break the family up. So you're kind of stuck with it. You take one for the team. Yeah, I mean, in, in that context, it's sort of treated as like a like like some some tomfoolery. Like it's it's he's it's not treated as like he he did this super fucked up thing. And even like he's constantly advocating throughout the entire episode for like they use the term leg of lamb repeatedly, and they're like like he's like providing a dissenting opinion of like every decent behavior. He's like, listen, just hit her with a leg of lamb, and this will all sort itself out. And later, like Andy is like, you know, like. You know that leg of lamb is sounding pretty appealing right no! now. Like, yeah, is it, like Otis is like his shoulder devil for this entire thing. Yeah. Once again, we we had this conversation a couple episodes ago where like the show tries to be equitable about blame and then goes way way hard on one direction because it mentions that like Otis's wife did throw something at him. Yeah, that is said once, and then the leg of lamb was in retaliation. And I'm not, I'm saying this not to excuse anything about Otis, right. but I'm saying this because. Fuck off, I don't want any, like, MRAs, like, writing into our show. Like, <laughs> she was a him too! No, fuck off. Uh, no. I want to say that MRAs don't have enough time to, like, to hassle us. They fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Otis says, can't apologize to a woman, you gotta put her in her place. And Andy uh, says, you can't hit women. And, and so, it, it does, Otis is the bad guy of this episode, but he's treated as, like, unacceptable bad guy. Like, he's, he's a, he's a, he's the person in the wrong but, like, characters are like, now, Otis, that's not fair. They're not like, shut up, you monster. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's just your stupid cousin. Yeah. yeah. Shut up, you nightmare pile of garbage. Like, he transforms from, like, the lovable... He eventually transforms back into the lovable town drunk. For this episode, he is the fucking Shadow King from Legion. Like, he is just this <laughs> fat pile of pure evil just stewing in the corner. <laughs> Barney comes in. He says the line about seeing Otis's mother-in-law at the dentist. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, brings out the news that is the plot of this episode, which we're finally getting to. Yes. Uh, this is gonna be a long one. Where he reveals oh. that Ellie is running for town council. Ellie has taken it upon herself uh, and is out gathering signatures right now to get on the ballot. And Barney signed it. Barney signed it. Love you for that, Barney. Barney. Not only did Barney sign it, he was the first name on <laughs> That's the ballot. Right. <laughs> he he explicitly did for like basically like sexual reasons. Oh, yeah. like, he's like, oh, I'll sign. Yeah, yeah. She, she Hattie called, May, Hattie May, like called her some pet, called him some pet names. And... He does it because his girlfriend called him Cream Puff, mm. which is like it's weird, but all right, sure. Whatever. It's not even a very like complimentary romantic phrase. Like, yeah, if someone calls you a Cream Puff, they're not saying it in in you're not nice strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like. Like you're, like you're easy to be, you can be pushed over like a cream puff. Like there's a lot of other terms. It's basically like the only term for like a thing that is sweet that is that would hurt my feelings. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> so what happens next, right? Uh, 
a woman running for council, that's awful. We can't have that. It's just bad having a woman running. Like, I took down some of the quotes that... that that's Andy talking. Well, no, this is, um... Oh, the, the, t- the no, two other the two men. two gentlemen who come in that are just like, did you hear the news? The guy with the mustache whose head is the shape of a thumb. Yeah, like, so, yeah. That's yeah. the guy. That's the guy. Two other men come in, and they're, like, ranting and raving, and they're pissed off at Barty for signing the signature. Yeah. And they're and like... And so it's Andy, and I'm just like, where's your, where's your loyalty to your, your friend and your woman in this situation, dude? Uh, he has zero, and he's a, and he's a shitty boyfriend. This yeah. is what we've learned throughout this entire uh, he, period. These two men are ranting and raving, and they say, Andy, you got to do something about this. They're basically doing the same thing as Otis, yeah. uh, saying, put your woman in her place, mm-hmm. but leaving out the bit about the leg of lamb. Yeah. So, so Andy goes to the malt shop uh, pharmacy where She's Ellie working. works uh, mm-hmm. to go make things up, like try to patch things up. And then up put her in her place. And then yeah. put her in her place. Uh-huh. Um, well, he, he says, he addresses the idea of her running for... Uh, uh, for city council, is like I heard the silliest rumor. I can't use the word silly enough here that you were <laughs> running for city council. A silly, silly council. I yeah. <laughs> like yeah. He, it was like the silly, silly, extremely silly, completely implausible rumor that you're running for city council. I'm screaming at you with my eyes. <laughs> I know you are, in fact, doing this. Change your mind and pretend like you're not. Once again, though, he is forgiven. Once again, he pulls himself out of trouble and then puts himself right back into it. Yeah. What he's doing is kind of a form of um, gaslighting. Like, I have in my notes here, like, Ellie, what the hell are you apologizing for, girl? Because that by the end of it, she's like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't something I should be doing. I'm so sorry that I put us through this. And gaslighting is the idea that your partner is um, basically turning your reasonable requests, like if you're out late, you're not responding to my texts, I've got the sense that you're seeing someone else, you just need to relax, or you just need to not have that idea. Yeah. And then the other person saying, well, gosh, I was out of line for being myself and asserting myself. I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, he's he, he's waging his own form of abuse against mm. her. Like... Of, like, constantly undermining and questioning her without, like, yeah. the overt conflict. He yeah. does, he doesn't, yeah, it's, it's this weird thing, and it's, it's actually probably a good episode to show when you can talk, to talk about the idea that maybe abuse isn't just physical, because he does not hit her with the leg of lamb, although he does consider it. Yeah. That's, that's the punchline of this scene, he's like, ah, oh, I should have brought a leg of lamb. He, 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 no, he explicitly says, the only, like... Uh, oh, this was right. right. The only uh, thing they understand is a leg of lamb. Well, and then we all laugh and it fades to black and cut to a commercial for cigarettes or something. Yeah. Whoa. Well, and the Honeymooners was out. Gosh. Let's say, Honeymooners is a contemporary. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Was this the same period? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe a couple. Honeymooners was like the 40s, 50s? No, Honeymooners probably went, Honeymooners probably went off the air just a, like a year or two before. Okay. Because that was a running gag, too. Like, one of these days, and there was even a motion of raising a fist, saying, like, one of these days, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to push me too far. I yeah. mean, that was yeah. not a running gag. That was that was their dynamite. Like, yeah. that was the catchphrase. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're, you're really rocking the catchphrase in this episode. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so he does the uh, he does the half apology. He tries to emotionally uh, manipulate Ellie into dropping out of the race. She refuses. So the plan is put in place. Oh God! Which the plan? The, uh, so this I've actually looked into because I've been trying to figure out. I've talked to the I've talked to lawyers about this again. They're also kind of unsure about whether or not the the events that follow are explicitly illegal. 
Cause, because, all right, so the plan that is cooked up, he gets all the men together, and he says, what we're going to do is, if all the women vote for Ellie, she's going to win. So what we have to do is we have to stop all the women from voting. How are we going to do this? You're going to cut off all your uh, your wives' access to your bank accounts. And credit cards. And credit cards. Oh, credit line of credit, because they didn't really have credit cards back then. So basically doing financial coercion Abuse. to stop all the women in town from voting. Mm. Uh, now, this is orchestrated by the sheriff and the justice of the peace. Yep. So, Same person. Yeah, basically the most powerful member of local government. Because the the, the, ma- the the mayor is useless. He's an absentee. <laughs> uh, so the most powerful member of the government in the town organizes mass financial collusion. Now, if whether or not the actual act of of withholding money from your wife to keep her from voting is it's not illegal, but it is very questionable. Yeah, you're, you're restricting their access and their agency to be able to buy groceries to be able to buy clothing if they need it. God forbid if they have to go to the emergency room, you're preventing them from being able to have access to things that would allow them to do that. Yeah, but it, it's since it's access to joint funds, it might... That's you... where it gets murky, and that's why yeah. financial abuse can be notoriously difficult to prove, because if everything is in your, your spouse's name, um, and it's like, we can't prove that this person was not giving you access because it's in his name. Yeah. And you know, not always man doing the abuse, but, you know. It's in there. And in it, fact, it probably wasn't joint, right? It was probably very unlikely that these women had their names on the account. And they're not working, entire... so there's no other way. Except for there were some shop owners that were female, but it looks like a majority of these customers were women that were homemakers. Yeah. So they had no other means of income. And and they, they do this. They do a montage through this. They're, they're, <laughs> the montage is great. There are two very funny montages about this. <laughs> uh, and they do something here that, like, I wish television shows still did. Where it, the entire thing is silent, and they pretty much let the the score, uh-huh. uh, they let the score do all the heavy lifting, lifting on all the jokes. They do yeah. like trombone. Like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I wish that convention still happened. It's, it's a really good. <laughs> if Brooklyn Nine Nine did a trombone narration of a montage, I would be on board. Yeah, yeah, those montages are very, very fun to watch. And if nothing else, I think you should just watch this episode for them. Yeah. But, um, all right. So in re- but in regards to this whole this conspiracy, it's kind of interesting because. Andy has done a lot of illegal stuff on this show, but it's always, like, kind of a gray area. They do a really good job of making it kind of, like, iffy. Like, oh, maybe this is a misdemeanor. Maybe this is, like, an actual crime. This, there is no in-between, because it is either not at all a crime and just massively unethical, or B, it is a massive crime, the kind that there are hearings for on TV, and a lot of people go to jail for. Like, yes. it, it's either not at all a crime or the biggest crime on the show. Mm. Like he he might have he might have done criminal conspiracy for voter suppression. Well, and the other layer here is um, uh, Ellie had said, not only am I going to run, I'm going to encourage other women to run too. So not yeah. only are we talking voter suppression, we are talking about restricting people's access to mount a campaign. Yeah. I have I have described like to a couple people the thing that Andy does on this show, and they're like, "All right, well, is the woman like wildly uh, corrupt, or is there like what what does she do What's to justify problem? this?" Right. And I've been like, "No, nothing. He likes her. She's the <laughs> love interest." And they're like, "What? What? Like it, like people don't process the events of this show." I right? will say there's one thing I wi- like this show or this episode wastes a lot of time. Literally just having one line of Ellie be like. If I were city council, I will 
fix the yes. schoolhouse or something. Yes. Yeah. Like, just, they don't if, even give her a chance. Yeah, there's there's no... we. I don't know what policies Ellie stands for. It, you can illustrate that maybe if there is something... I, I use fix the schoolhouse as a pretty sexist example. But, like, <laughs> if there was just, like, one thing that Ellie notices needs to be fixed that none of the men know More notice, jobs for women. Yeah, yeah. Just something like that. Uh-huh. Give her one line where she's like, I want to be in city council so I can blank. Right. As opposed to what the, like, motivation really seems like, which is like... I want to be in city council so I can show that women can be in city council, and also because I'm mad at my boyfriend. Like, yeah. it really does a disservice to Ellie. Although, part works. of the reason I want to run for office later stems from how angry I was at the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. That That's not... We had the most qualified presidential candidate ever, and it still wasn't enough, and she was still taken down in many instances because of who she was, and I'm just like, that's messed up, and I'm thinking about doing this now. And that's that's true of a lot of women. Like Obviously, we, people, there is more to me than that. <laughs> that was a very strong, I'm just like, oh, fuck no. But there's, there is, there's there? a record number, like, as we're recording this in 2018, there's a record number of women running for office, uh, majority Democrat women, yep. and yeah. as a result. So it's, it's we, this episode both aged poorly and also is very timely. Just mm-hmm. immediately got super relevant again. Yeah. 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 The... Voter suppression plan kind of backfires because the women get together and they're like, all right, well. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, can we just talk about how wonderful it is that a woman is in her fucking slip? And Lady's like, well, I can't let you buy this dress because your credit's been cut off. And she's like, I'll show him. And she puts her out and she runs out of the... Yeah, I didn't she, even catch oh that bit. God, I was just like, that girlfriend is running out in her slap. This is serious. That's um, like a woman going out when her hair is half did, or like she's had like one pedicure done. She's so mad. <laughs> so you can. I died. When she's I was like, just like she's, oh my god. She's like taking off the earrings. Like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> You can read what one like when one of the, the wives is like denied uh like the the shoes that she had purchased. You can like read her lips. <laughs> I forgot about that. And she's like, "Well, I never." Like she actually and she mouths. stumbles out with one shoe on, yeah. one shoe on. That was adorable. So the women get hands. together and they're like, "Well, guess what? There's some shit we can withhold too." And it pretty much like. Does not say that they're doing like a Lysistrata style sex strike. Yes, but it's like, yeah, yeah. Like you know that's a component. You know, no one's getting that, any. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's it's like heavily implied. But instead, it's it's way more sexist than that. It's like, well, guess what? We're not cooking. We're not ironing. We're not cleaning. Shit. Not mending your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, do it your own damn self. And in a way, this actually just makes like the men look more and more incompetent. Yeah, uh, and. Andy, of course, is also suffering from this because <laughs> his homemaker at home, his Aunt B, is also on, like, this worker's strike. Uh, and by this point, we've kind of lost the entire plot about electing <laughs> a woman in general, and it's just, like... It's just vague, like, 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 it, it's sort of doing, like, a, a, a kind of almost, like, like, for the time, forward-thinking gender, like, women can do, women are just as important as men, Within the specific preset uh, patriarchal gender roles, it's, like, it's a it's a very like separate but equal kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. So we open up to breakfast where oh, Andy is attempting to cook his own eggs, which are now like like black. They look like fucking beans. Like yeah. I thought he was putting like, that's not eggs. It was they're not eggs. Uh, and he puts them onto Opie's uh, plate, and Opie makes jokes like, like, "Oh fuck, no. oh oh, is this like the is this like the well done." Uh, 
Carrots we had yesterday, apparently Andy's just screwing everything up. <laughs> the best is, Opie at one point is like, I'm going to keep eating dad's food even though it hurts so bad. Aww. Like, you're poisoning your child. I mean, I mean honestly, at, at this point though, like, you're a grown man, Andy. Like, it's, it's humiliating that he is a grown man who does not know how to cook eggs. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, that's basic. Like, when you were in the academy, you should have known how to do yeah, that He shit. was in the military. He was in oh, the army. Man. Oh, they use rations, though. That's like, pow- you just add water to that. He, 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 he ate out of you a still need yeah. some survival skills, though. Shit. Yeah, yeah. He should be able to cook eggs. I love the amp. He's like, are you, Obi, are you sure you don't want some nice stew? Yeah. And that's when he says, like, no, I'm gonna keep eating this food. I really like that Aunt B has evolved into, like, she is the regulator of Andy. Like, it is her basic job to just show up once an episode and be like, fuck you! (laughs) Fuck your entire deal! (laughs) Like, what you're doing this episode is bullshit! (laughs) I get it! She's like BD, like, whenever BD Wong would appear on Special Victims Unit, like, we think we know what we're talking about. Oh, no, no, you don't. I've got the full shit right here. And then he leaves. And that's it! It's like she she gets a designated two-minute it's every episode where she like fights her way onto the set before like security drags her away and she's like I have some opinions about this that's great yeah sold Um, it's a good thing we're talking about Opie's like blind loyalty to his father because that's what comes into play here Uh Ellie enters the kitchen Mm -hmm. uh, to reveal that she has decided to withdraw from the race because she didn't mean to start a big war between the sexes and Mayberry, even though she very clearly, like, arranged all the women together, yeah. and she, she was their general. She um, arranged an insurgency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. like, what we said, like, her motivations are super wishy-washy on this one. Well, and the other thing is, um, she decides to quit, but it's like she's asking him for permission to quit. Go on. Uh, well, just the way she came in, like, I... I just wanted to do something different, but since you have such a problem with it, I'll do it. It really, it doesn't sound like asserting, like, I'm doing this because I'm concerned that people will get hurt, but I'm doing this to make you happy. And that's the other sign of an unhealthy relationship. Your identity is starting to be absorbed by the identity of your significant other, and now you only exist to do whatever they want and make sure that their needs are being met while sacrificing your own. Not an abusive relationship, but very well could be could be on the way to becoming one. I oh, mean, man. Andy does have a long history throughout the show of psychological manipulation. Uh-huh. But in, to put it your way, I never thought to use the term gaslighting. He yep. gaslights people frequently, uh-huh. often as his way of solving a problem. But uh, this is my solution, and you're going to come around to my way. Of yeah. Like, Holy. Yeah. It, but it blows up in his face right now. Blows up in his face. Uh-huh. Because... Uh, Andy's just like, okay, well, that sounds fine. And then Opie's just like, does that mean we won? We, we put the women up? in their place, we beat those. We beat those ugly women, yeah! And, like, and I'm gonna say beat like has multiple meanings when it said. Yeah. And they're like, ha-ha, we made those girls. Then that's when uh, Ellie, again, turns her opinions on a dime. Yeah. And it's like, well, look at that. Look what you just did. Yeah. What a fun. She storms out again. Uh, got a lot of storming going on. a lot of storming. Saying. And then Aunt B just like again, yeah. goes, 
fuck off. Yeah. You know what you did, dipshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your son is a... Is, you're turning your son into a bigoted monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. It, like, it, it almost... He didn't say it, but, like... Uh, like, it, it felt like Opie had just said some, like, Reddit forum red pill bullshit. <laughs> like... Just like like Elliot walked in and be like, yeah, all women are whores. Yeah, like, like redistribute sex. Like <laughs> I deserve sex. Yeah. So oh, so now we get to the climax of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Which Sorry. also we get to the climax of the episode because Andy d- d- ignores the fact that his child is spouting sexist. Like he's like, I have to go deal with this. Yeah. Excuse me, child who just said sexist <laughs> stuff. I'm gonna go. Talk I'm to a crowd. I'm probably here, but I'm gonna go solve this problem instead. Like, like, We're oh, gonna Obi circle has, back. Obi has zero <laughs> attention span. It's like it's like a it's like rubbing a dog's nose in it in like their business. You have to do it immediately afterwards, otherwise they won't know why they're in trouble. Right? Like, like you can like you the sexism is settling into the folds of his brain. <laughs> right? You can't go back to later and talk to Opie about this stuff. We've seen how that works. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he's probably doing more good than harm just because he's so bad at debating his child. He sucks at like, talking to his son. Honestly, if he if he tried to debate with Opie, he probably would have made it worse. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we get to the the episode where I get or the climax of the episode where all of the the town is meeting in town square. And the women I guess are, it's like... are are doing. A, we want Ellie for council. They're they're holding signs that are. Very bad. The said department went home at five because they're just like, Ellie, good. City council, Ellie. We want Ellie. Like, it's just Ellie and then positive. Don't try to train yourselves on this one. Well, uh, again, again, Ellie has no platform to speak of. Yeah. And also, like, also, like, none of the other candidates show up. We're just told that there are men, like, ethereally out there who are also running for council. Yeah. And none of them appear. Like, we don't know who these men are. But it's it's irrelevant, I guess. Right. Uh, so now, like, like things have collided. They're colliding in the streets. It's like the beginning of Gangs of New York. Like, yeah. They're just having this big old clash uh-huh. um, between the like pro and anti Ellie uh, factions of town. Mm. Um, it's there is about to be a riot. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even know. <laughs> and like, if that lady with her slip shows up. You know it's on. Oh, oh yeah. Taking yeah. her earrings off. Like, oh. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I don't even know if like the timeline makes no sense. I don't, this isn't the election; it's just a war. Yeah, it's like you're losing your shit over the preliminary stuff. Yeah, Andy it's, got it's so not... lucky that he just happened to stumble upon the riot. Like, <laughs> exactly. what's going on here, guys? <laughs> like, fucking, like, like nailed it. Oh, good. I uh, thought I might find a riot. Here. <laughs> Dude, oh God. Okay, so so. uh Andy takes the stage, essentially, like, hold it, hold everything, which is a thing he does in the next episode, too. Both these episodes involve, like, Andy talking down to the yeah. entire town. Yeah. You got um, it all wrong, friends. Yeah, exactly. And he, like, stands up in front of everybody, like, in front of the, like, justice building, uh, and he gives uh, the line in this, oh, this entire episode did not age well, but he delivers a line that aged the worst, uh-huh. where he's like, now, I just heard... My son Opie say oh, something against women, and if he doesn't like women, well, when he gets older and he wants to get married, that kind of uh, kind of limits his options, now, doesn't it? Uh. Which was almost they treated it as I thought. Like when he started to do that, I thought they were going to make a gay joke, and then they just treated it as like not even an option. It, 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 it didn't even occur to them. It yeah, didn't even occur to them. So oh, ignoring, I mean, just 
Ignoring how, the, how, like, it just ignores the entire, like, other option there. <laughs> it's also basically just like, well, Aunt Opie can't hate women, because then otherwise, how will he get married? Yeah, like, no, you can't. Yeah, lots of men who hate women get married yeah, all it's true. the like, time. Otis is married, apparently, so, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Otis and, and Barney get more ass than all of us. Yeah. Like, come on. Which Otis is also, in this scene, clapping at one point, That's right, and a like... bottle falls from him. Oh, yes, like, I forgot about <laughs> Wacky Otis, who is there with He's the wife right he now. swung at, like, <laughs> with, like, and the wife is just, like, kind of, like, like a, a bottle falls from his recent abuse victim wife, and she's just like, uh, come on. Like, her look is, like... Here we go again. Yeah, like, if, it, like, the look I would give you if you just, like, really farted while we were in a movie theater. Like... <laughs> come on, man! Yeah, just like, I know you ah. just, just expect this of you, but really? Yeah, yeah. So, so Andy's whole speech is basically just like, well, now we don't want Ellie to run for council because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, there's no other reason for that. Uh-huh. Uh, you have it written down? Yeah. I hate to admit it, but if Ellie wants to run for council, I reckon she's got a right to. And, and one of <laughs> yeah, those... he hates to admit that a person in his town has a right, right to, to do a thing. Has yeah. rights. The, the the sheriff of town just like God dang those rights, <laughs> which <laughs> civil oh, rights. He says like one of the well, he does have like one good point in favor, which is like a, a, a good moment of clarity where it's like we don't want her to run because he's because she's a woman. Do we have any other reasons why she shouldn't run? And she's like, and it's like no. So he does like have. So one... I think that's when this line comes in. Like I, you know, yeah. she's yeah. got a right to. Uh, one thing, like, the entire time he's delivering this speech about how sexism is bad, I wanted to, like, purple rose of Cairo my way into the movie and just be like, also, voting is important and you shouldn't fuck with that. <laughs> right, Andy? Right? You should let people vote. You are an elected official. Like, <laughs> Well, and that's the biggest irony about all this by punishing the women earlier. Like, boyfriends, you are, you are alienating a very significant portion of your constituents. Why didn't they just campaign for women harder? Yeah, like, that's my thing. It's like, if you are really that worried about a woman running for office, beef up your platform. Like, and cater to your constituents. Like, I mean, that actually, uh, that happened. After women gained the ability to vote, mm-hmm. what immediately happened was candidates started, uh, uh, started like campaigning on issues that were seen as more uh, more attractive to women. Sympathetic to their... One of which kind of tying into Otis, Prohibition. Uh... Yeah, because uh, like they the idea was uh, if you ban alcohol, husbands will hit their wives less. Mm. So that became a major platform right after uh, the women's... Sub- uh, was it the 19th Amendment? Oh, yeah, 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 right. No, no, yeah, yeah. the 19th Amendment because Prohibition's the 20th. Yeah. 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 Oh no. my god. So he kind of drugs. Yeah, again, like Otis is like this this living animus of just like oh everything anti women. <laughs> I will say we, we we talked about it slightly earlier. So I mentioned that we already had like women serving in uh in state senates and uh like a female mayor in, in Seattle. And to be fair, like why the hell would anyone in Mayberry know who the mayor of Seattle was ten years ago? Right. Uh, right. But like Aunt B even says, like, it's so exciting. We've got a woman running for council. It looks like we're catching up to the rest of the world. Yeah. So, like, they pretty much make the point that, like, this is new to Mayberry, but it's not new to lots of other places. Good point. Which is, like, one of the things that we've always been very confused about, like, the setting of Mayberry. How it is technically 1960, but feels like 1935 all the time. Yeah. Uh, So, and it gets called out in this episode. Yeah. It's a town stuck in the past. Yeah. And so, 
we don't know. So everyone kind of like cheers for the right to vote, I guess. Like, <laughs> no, not for the right they to cheer vote. for elections. Like, like we're che- like cheering for not like for deciding to not enforce sexism. Like, <laughs> like they're they're cheering like, yeah, we'll let you have this one. Like, <laughs> we're allowing this. We're all on board now. They're not. They're not like like we shouldn't have done any of this. But like we're changing our minds. <laughs> Where was the woman that was saying? Think about the children after he found out that yeah. Opie's warped little mind has been warped by all this. Again, just like, the, the sexism is just settling into Opie this entire oh. scene. Yeah, I'm not sure how Andy's gonna go back and explain his logic there later on. Uh, so, the last scene is everybody hanging out on uh, Andy's front porch. Mm-hmm. Once again, it opens pretty much the same way, or close the same way it opened. He's sitting there, he's playing his guitar. I don't know if, El- if we've had the election. I don't know if Ellie, uh, if Ellie won or not, he he says in the song that he that she won, but like he might just be being facetious because like he also no refers she to, like, wins running. she's on like well, actually because uh, in the in the next episode or in a couple of episodes there's like a city council meeting and she's not there no, but no. then a few later episodes she's there and she has voting rights yeah so. she has voting rights but also Don Knotts does yeah. so it's kind of confusing I don't understand the, the Mayberry city government but it's, it's fine Mayberry. I don't think Mayberry understands the Mayberry city government I think it's just whoever is in the room gets to vote <laughs> uh, then why are you even having this issue <laughs> but I think Andy basically learns the true moral of the story it's not women can do whatever it's not voting it's basically Andy starts to say another stupid thing and Ellie starts to get offended, and he just goes, I'm going to shut up, regardless of how I feel about this interaction we're having. I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> and I think it's actually, like, a solid thing of just, like, when you say a thing and someone starts to get uh, to get pissed off about what you're saying, you can just shut up at like any you time. Can you can back down. It's yeah, okay. like, that, okay. that lesson should be disseminated across the internet of, like, maybe keep your opinion to yourself when it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get that on a t-shirt? Yeah. Keep it to yourself when it's stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's that's genius. <laughs> and that's episode 10. Ellie for Council. Yeah. yeah. On to the weird one. I'm Clint. And I'm Jared. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Alcoholywood. Your source for inebriation, Which you're not listening to right now, because this is just a promo for a weekly podcast on all kinds of movies. New, old, good, bad. Yeah, especially bad. Plus, we invent a cocktail and a drinking game inspired by each film. And sometimes we make jokes. Not this time, but sometimes. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher and check out the whole shebang at alcoholywood.com. All right, so we're moving on to episode 12, Stranger in Town. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Our our goodbye to the great Don Weiss. uh, Who who goes out, I think, chasing his dream of doing a Twilight Zone episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Don Weiss and Arthur Stander. We like Arthur Stander. He's one of our, the better writers on this show. Is he the one that gets horny? The end? Oh. No, that's, that's David, <laughs> David David Adler is the horny one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arthur Stander uh, wrote Stranger in Town. Um, we're at coming to the end of 1960. December 26, 1960, this airs. Uh, and here is the one-sentence Wikipedia summary. The citizens of Mayberry are suspicious of a young stranger, William Lanthow, uh, is the actor's name, and I looked it up. He hasn't been in anything, like, mm-hmm. He does not look like he's been yeah. in anything. Yeah. The citizens of Mayberry are suspicious of a young stranger who seems to know everything about them. First appearance of Floyd but the Barber, 
played for the only time by Walter Baldwin. So we we open in the in the barber's office. Uh, Floyd the barber is going to be like a regular character on the show, but this is the first time he's played the, by this actor. Oh, okay. They switch actors later. Okay. So. Uh, that was a fun exchange. So it opens with uh, Barney getting a haircut. And, and not liking it. And Floyd is narrating what he would do if he was president. Oh, which yeah. again feels weirdly timely. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Of just like some schmuck narrating their, their presidential actions. And he talks about how he would ma- he would move uh, his, his presidential office out of the White House because you can't run an office yes. out of the place you live. And then specifically uses the example of talking to a prime minister... And his wife comes in to ask him what he wants for dinner. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid little the bit. The cynicism is strong. The cynicism is good, but it, it's a solid bit. Yeah. You know, it, it just made me think of, uh, like, LBJ and his, like, his deal of just, like, <laughs> talking to diplomats while he was taking a, a dump. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And, or that time he called uh, the pants company to when he recorded it. Because he did. the crotch it, out a little bit. Bleh, like, burps into the... He's basically like he's basically Rick Sanchez. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like, the multiple occasions of him whipping his dick out in meetings. <laughs> well, this is how I got to be president. So. LBJ was so crass. He, <laughs> he, I, he called his dick the big shrimp. What? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's oh. the name. I don't know if it's because of the shape. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Moving on. So he's, cocktail sauce? he's narrating his everyman presidency, and while he's doing so, Barney's becoming agitated about his haircut, and he's like, did you fuck up my sideburns? It feels like my sideburns are different shapes. And two of the guys say, like, again, nice little bit of, I the, the left one is too long, no, the right one is too short. And then Andy comes in and says, what sideburns? They're completely gone. And Barney proceeds to just spend the remainder of the scene, like, either A, monologuing, or B, quick, like, joke sniping about what a shady barber Floyd is. Which, for that this scene, Barney Fife was my hero. Because there have been so many times where I have, like, the, like, the barber has turned me around and be like, so what do you think? And I've been like... Fuck. This is a nightmare haircut. <laughs> You've ruined the next month of my life. And be like, I love it. It's Aww. great. And Barney just like steps off the chair. And is like, Fuck. you're the worst barber I've ever seen. Here's some money. Go to uh, go back to school. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. God grant me the self confidence to tear into a barber. Oh, that's great. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. I don't get the barber everyone. Yeah. So, so all of the men are sitting around doing their like. Barbershop bullshit. And they notice a bus pull up. And apparently, like, this town has so few visitors that, like... <laughs> Somebody got off this time! Yeah! <laughs> well, that's so they're, weird. They're, yeah. they're, their initial thing is like, is wait, is that a bus? Wait, is that a person getting off the bus? Wait, is that person <laughs> getting off the bus not immediately leaving? <laughs> is he is he gonna, like, come in here and use the bathroom and then leave? Yeah, they're <laughs> maybe, maybe he has to pee. They literally <laughs> say something effective. He's coming right for us! <laughs> Yeah, they're very he's confused a shark. that a man that's, that a man got off the bus, and they say that like the bus came in from New York, but I have a hard time believing that there is a direct line from yes! from New York City to Maine. Unless it took a wrong turn. Yeah, like so, so this so this young man gets off the bus, and um, you know I'm gonna make another Brooklyn Nine Nine thing, another like um, like. Connection or like connection to a Boyle. He reminded me so much of Charles oh. Boyle from Brooklyn Nine Nine. He uh, Charles Boyle and a lizard person. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, this is just this like this very like very odd, almost robotic way he comes in. He's like, "Hello, Andy. 
Hello, Floyd. How's your rheumatism? Yes. Yeah. He like, How's that bowel obstruction that you've been worried about? He just. He just he, he, yeah, he's like, uh, how is your child, Opie, and your mother figure, Aunt B, <laughs> Barney? How is your something something deputy? Like, right, right. It's like it's like he has like data points filled out. Human speech works like this. Uh, it's, it's it's deeply creepy it's, and. Such a weird episode. <laughs> like, it's one of the few moments where, like, watching the show, me and the people of Mayberry are on the same emotional level. Like, <laughs> the people of Mayberry are like, what is happening? This feels so uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm with you, Floyd. Like, oh, and it really, it's very Twilight Zony. Yeah. It's yeah. super, uh... Or Kafka-esque. A li- yeah, a little, little Twilight Zone. The guy Zone. being in a trial, not knowing what he's being about to be convicted of. I feel like Rod Sterling was just, like, on the edge of the screen the entire time, just, like, ready to walk on. Just, like, like, give me my cue. I'll do it. Mm. Like, but they, but they were on the same network, right? They are both CBS, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he might have been on set. Like, for all we know, Sterling, or Sterling may have just, like, done a touch-up on this. Mm. Like, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Which, throughout the entire episode... Barney Fife and Andy, but Barney Fife, Andy, and several other characters keep on like, "Are we sure this isn't the Twilight Zone? Are we sure we're still the Andy Griffith show? Like, it's cool either way, but if this is the Twilight, I just want to know. If this is the Twilight Zone, you have to tell me. It's like undercover cop rules. <laughs> so yeah, so this this gentleman like makes some weird oblique references to these these people's personal lives, and then he just kind of says, well. On my way, and he leaves. Yeah. And all of the men around the barbershop go, "What, what the, the hell? Yeah. What was that?" Yes. And uh, Barney and Andy have a little conversation about, it, like, we're law enforcement. We should probably like look into this guy. He hasn't actually done anything wrong, but it's fucking weird. Which, uh, in in the process of leaving, Barney does pay Floyd and say, "Go buy yourself a book about how to cut hair." Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. one final snipe. Yeah. This fucks up. So then they follow him to the hotel, right? Uh, well, first they follow him around town. Uh, they watch him uh, greet a woman walking her twin uh, twin babies in a uh, in a stroller, yeah. and say like they're twins. And he's like, "Oh, that one's that one's Annie, That's right. and that one's Mark." Like, and you she, can tell them apart. And she's like, "Mark has a mole on his uh, on his left ear," and she's like, like <laughs> "Just like who are you?" And just like like Get I. Away. Yeah, like, every maternal instinct kicks in in that woman, and she's like, I should kill you. I should, just knowing that, I should kill you. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, and then, like, then Andy and uh, and Barney, like, have a conversation where Barney just basically asks for permission to torture the guy. He's oh. like, just let me arrest him and him. then give me ten minutes alone with him. Like, like, like Barney's already thinking spy. Like, yeah. Very Cold War, he's like, that Soviet, that dude's a red. Yeah. He's a red. Although he he also accuses him of being a German uh, no. because they, because because Barney has not realized that we're not at war with Germany anymore because Barney has PTSD. Yeah, why will uh, nobody fucking address which this? Which also oh, oh, there's a an interesting reference to the to World War II spies because they he, he's basically like what if he's a spy? He could be like uh, Tokyo Rose, remember? And I looked up who Tokyo Rose was, and that was basically uh there were. Uh, on the the Pacific Theater, the Japanese would play propaganda radio, which would basically be uh, just music that Americans would like to listen to, occasionally punctuated by a a Japanese woman just telling them that they were going to lose and reading them various statistics 
and information that suggested that the U.S. was losing the war. So it would be like, like, here's some nice jazz. Also, three battleships were sunk today. You're going to die here. You're going to die. And Tokyo Rose turned out to be one of the, I think, the the seventh person to ever be tried for treason. Because she was a U.S. citizen who went to visit her family in Japan. Then the war broke out. She couldn't get home, and all of her family back in the U.S. were in internment camps. So the only work she could get while she was in Japan, since it was a wartime economy, was doing propaganda radio. Oh, and there were, there were a couple of um, there were a couple of different women who did this. There were multiple Tokyo Roses, but one woman was basically convicted for being all of them. Oh. She was eventually pardoned, uh, but that's sort of who they're referencing is like. This, I, I, I think for, like, soldiers, she was, like, this monumental, like, like figure. Like, the great, like, turncoat spy. Like, Tokyo Rose. Holy shit. Hell yeah. of a reference. Yeah. yeah. Deep, yeah, deep cut. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. They, they say it so annoyingly, like, like, he could be, like, Tokyo Rose. And I was like, that is a cool name. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> good, good, good that you went with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So he, the man makes his way to the barbershop, not the barbershop, he makes his way to the hotel, uh, where we meet the hotel owner, Jason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this man, again, does some very weird things. Can I have this room because I like it better? Yeah, yeah. Because a guy died in one of them? Oh, that's right. He knew the room a guy died in. Because he was the one that did it. He got the kind of, the vague (laughs) implication. Yeah, so he like, he like gives the, the, he gets the key to a very different room and like, I know that room was freshly painted, although I don't really like green. He knows what color the room was painted. So the the uh, hotel owner gives him the key. And he goes, bye, Jason. And the dude never said his name was Jason. Yeah. And so at this point, Andy and Barney come in, followed by just like a crowd of people that they've just It's been... like the music man when Harold Hill arrives and everybody's just like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Start following. There's like a parade of people who are just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And, and the, the point that you made earlier, Dan, is that one one woman's just like, look, I saw a TV show about this. And I love, I love the way she puts it. She's just like, but it wasn't a man at all. It was a creature from the supernatural world. Which might be another reference to the Twilight Zone, the it's episode definitely. The Monsters Come to Maple Street. It, yeah. it feels so very Monsters on Maple Street. Yeah. yeah. And um and so yeah, so yeah, you like I said, they they again almost directly reference the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and at that point, like hearing that, Barney's suddenly way less eager to go talk to this man. <laughs> yeah. Um He could kill me. Uh so everyone kind of like dissipates for a little bit, but Barney decides to stick around because he wants to like search the hotel room. The so the 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 plan is put into place that Barney is going to start tailing him as sure. he goes about his day in town without a warrant or yep. a probable nope. cause of any yeah. kind. No, yeah, that's the designated crime for the episode. Is <laughs> Barney surveils and tries to steal the property of a man with no warrant? He eventually. Once again, though, we didn't. Uh, we have not gotten that Supreme Court ruling yet. I believe so. I don't think he needs one. Miranda, Barney. wait, like Mar- warrantless. Yeah. This whole uh, so the entirety of the Andy Griffith show, as explained to us by an actual lawyer, <laughs> uh, that we somehow talked into doing this. Um, <laughs> Was uh, that this was basically almost like in a a Wild West period where there was no accountability for cops whatsoever. All the like civil rights procedures that we like know today don't exist yet. They're all going to happen pretty much in the course of this show in the next eight years of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, again, what Varney's doing right now, not illegal at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. Um, barely illegal now, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Barney begins surveilling this guy. The, uh... The, the the events of this show are so, like, wishy-washy. It jumps between just Andy vaguely, like, discussing him and then townspeople being pissed and then him going about his day creeping people out <laughs> so suddenly that you can't really, like, break it up into individual yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they uh, sort of melt it, together. It's all melding together. So I'm going to skip to the part where Barney decides to search the hotel room and he reaches, like, Jason the, I... hotel, Jason the hotel owner is gone. He's out of the room. And Barney just like like sneaks behind and slides his hand into the cubby hole where the keys are kept and gets it stuck in a mouse trap. <laughs> yeah. And then Andy comes in. Well deserved. Andy comes in and catches him with his hands in the cubby. He's like, "What are you doing? What's going on there?" So Andy lectures him for uh, tailing this guy and for going after him when he hasn't really done anything wrong. Doesn't mm-hmm. be very weird. Um, Finally, we have a scene where Andy is at back at his office in the courtroom in the jailhouse, uh, and he's on the phone with a gentleman who owns the gas station. Correct? Yeah. He's yeah. he's in the pro he's in the process of trying to purchase the gas station. Yeah, not Andy, but the visitor. The, no, the, yeah, 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 no. He uh, the visitor is in the process of trying to purchase the gas station. Andy is basically talking to him and uh, discussing with the gas station owner how freaked out he is. By the prospect of this uh, of of this transaction happening, right? Yeah, base basically the phone conversation is, uh, I I think it's basically just the gas station owner calling uh, Andy to be like, hey, legally, can I just not sell it to this dude because it's he's fucking weird? <laughs> <laughs> and Andy's like, legally, I guess you can. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Then there's the next. Uh, oh God. The the next Lucy. thing that the stranger is doing. He's trying to find love. He's yeah. harassing a woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the stranger enters the room, uh, enters the courthouse and says, Hi, Andy. Uh, I have a favor to ask. After I purchase business, <laughs> could, could you be witness <laughs> and offer a human signature? <laughs> I, would, I would like to begin courting one of your women uh, <laughs> shortly after. Yeah, he... Uh, he reveals to Andy that uh, he has been knocking at the door of a young woman named Lucy, who we've never seen before. Uh-huh. Um, and, and neither has he, we find out. Yep. Yeah. 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 He hasn't seen this woman, but he is in love with her. And wants to marry her. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm here to court Lucy. And he's like, then he's like, has, has Lucy opened the door? Uh. <laughs> uh and he's like, I don't think that matters. I love her. <laughs> what That's does that matter? So fucking creepy. And, 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 to, and to be honest, like I'm, I kind of feel for this dude throughout this episode. What? Except until for this, this point. Oh, until okay. this point. Yeah, Jesus until this point. Christ. Yeah. Let me finish my sentence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way though because I, I mentioned publicly before that I'm a person on the autism spectrum and you misread signals, especially when you're still learning about somebody's mannerisms. And mm. I've. Even in the job that I'm in now, if I if I see certain people in the pictures that we use in our marketing, and then I meet them in real life, I sometimes come off sounding like a creep. Like, I don't know you, but I've seen you before, and I'm so glad to finally meet you. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Once, a- once again, connecting to uh, modern uh, television, there was an episode of... Netflix is One Day at a Time, which is wonderful, and you shall be watching it. <laughs> there was an episode of Netflix is One Day at a Time about a teenage girl who is trying to impress her girlfriend 
uh, as they go to the dance, and she wants to impress her girlfriend and show how many friends she has. But she doesn't actually know these people. Oh, so she's, like, gotten all their information off of social media. It's just like, yeah. hey, hey, Kurt, remember last year when you went to Mexico? That was so much fun. It's the exact same plot, actually. Yeah. Um, except, like, it's a character that you already know beforehand. So this isn't an uncommon bit. We should get into the fact, though, that Lucy shows up at the courthouse to get a restraining order. Yeah. yeah. Lucy rolls in and she's like, there's a lunatic knocking on my door. I'm being harassed. I need you to do law. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And Andy, of course, is just like, no. Yeah. You don't let like, him live and solve it yourself. His, Come on. His, like, his default state of, let's all calm down now. <laughs> I'm sure there's a middle ground between him wanting you to be his wife and you not wanting to have to be harassed on a daily basis. We can make this work for everybody. There's a compromise in here somewhere. Andy. Fucking enforce the law once. Once! Once! Enforce the law even a little bit. I get that you have a very flexible view of it, but just do it even ever. Like, once. One time. Just do your fucking job, Andy. What is the point of you? What? Why do we allow you? Like, oh, he'll enforce the law when it's like... When he wants to stop women from voting, but like a woman is in clear and present danger from a creepy Let's lunatic. Let's all think about this for a second. Yeah. Let's point the brakes on. Let's point the brakes. Jump to conclusion. So, now, so- is this guy creeping everyone in town out? Yes. Is he currently punching your door on a regular basis? Also, yes. Am I going to do literally anything about it? <laughs> I feel like this situation will work itself out. So, and even before that scene, the guy's like, I think I love her. And Andy is like, You're crazy. Yeah. You're an insane person. He flat out says, like, like he's just like a, a great, great time piece. He's like, Hey, do you think we'll ever get to the moon? <laughs> that seems Maps so paid them to put that in. They're like, you just start to get the conversation started so that we're just surprised in a couple of years. There's a solid zinger. He's like, because you're already there! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, and it's such a good zinger. So when a man says it, Andy is just like, I'm happy to tell you what I fucking think of you. When a woman says it, I don't think that's how it went down. Yeah, I think yeah you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's not that bad. So, so, so Andy sends Lucy home. Like, all right, I'll, I'll figure this out. You, you just go along home now, young lady. Uh-huh. Like, and Lucy's like, like twenty one. <laughs> yeah, she's a grown woman. Like, I'm in college, guys. <laughs> like, uh, nobody maybe goes to college. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ellie shows up having gone to college and they're like, ooh, look at the college girl. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, she's the most educated person in this entire... Oh my god, she's the most qualified to be in council. She's the only one Just like 2016! Yeah. She's the only one who has a degree. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, no, that's like the basis of like why she she should be running for council. She's the only one of them that is at all competent at anything ever. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) She Uh, should be the mayor. We we all came to that understanding. Fuck. Okay. Let's just take that revelation and edit it back in. (laughs) So he sends he sends Lucy home. uh, And then he's like Bro, what the fuck is your deal? Yeah. He basically just, like, sits this guy down and just, like... You gotta tell me what this is about. What is going on here? Yeah. And the, the dude, like, starts to have a little breakdown. He's like, it didn't work. Nothing worked. Oh, my. He's, like, beating himself up. He's, like, like a minute away from, like, literally physically harming himself. 
Before and, before we we do his explanation, I need to say I don't believe it for a goddamn second. It is a clear lie. It is a lie. Go ahead. All right. So here's the explanation that this weird weird man gives for this like, reptile creature for all of this knowledge that he's scouting out obtained. for the next race to come um, in from yeah. the outer space. He served in the army with a guy named Joe Larson from Mayberry, son of Pete and Edie Larson. Thank you. Wikipedia, or Mayberry Wiki. Hmm. Um, and Mayberry Wiki, God, man. <laughs> Properly credit them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so he befriended Joe Larson. Joe Larson would tell him stories about back home. Back home, tell him stories about Mayberry. And he started to really love these stories about Mayberry, even to the point where, like, when he and Joe Larson weren't together, he starts subscribing to the newspaper, the yeah. Mayberry newspaper, and he has it, like, sent to him. So he's like, he, he like, Falls in love is the idea, and like has this fictional Mayberry built up in his brain, which is a little bit meta. I think you could do like a like if if I was going to remake Pleasantville, I'd base it off of this episode. Um, but the the explanation is he read the Mayberry newspaper for so long that he felt like he knew the people in town. Right. Which, but the I, my question would be, how fucking detailed is the Mayberry newspaper that they're talking about what? The bo- ears, the twins' ears have moles on them. Like they're like, if you need or to the differentiate between, the yeah, or the barber's yeah. rheumatism. Yeah, like is just like is it like the the net like the weekly update on everyone's medical conditions? Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, there were newspapers during the time of the plague that would list how everybody died that week. And and to be fair, like I think that is exactly what a uh, newspaper in 1960 backwoods ass tiny North Carolina town would be like. And I'm sure it's it's not a daily paper. It's probably just more like a gossip rag. Like it's just like one like one couple that like gets the dirt on everybody and is always bothering people. Um remember we've already seen we've seen the Mayberry Gazette, I think is the name of the, the newspaper. We've mm-hmm. seen it once before because they did a big write up on Barney. Uh, because he was like the big hero yeah. that stopped that one crime, and they they like dedicated a full page spread to the one crime that ever fucking happened. You know, remember, like there's no nothing ever happens in this town. So, but they want to have a newspaper. This is this is something that's true of of small towns. I yeah. feel like well, I, nothing ever happens in this town. There's a rampant moonshining ring and hillbillies shooting each other with shotguns <laughs> in the woods every single day. This and a is, man beating his wife with a leg of lamb. Yeah. This is a weird thing. They have thing. the one-man crime spree that is Otis. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird complex that small towns have, is that they're so, like, adamantly proud of being small towns where, like, everything's quiet and safe, but they also have this weird, like, inferiority complex where, like, we're just as big as, as good as those big cities. We're just, we're just as good. Look at our, our newspaper. We've got all sorts of interesting things going on. So they, I, I completely believe that Mayberry would have a newspaper, even though they don't fucking need one. Yeah. But there'd just be a newspaper, but to fill the pages, they would just be like, well, uh, looks like, uh, like, you know why they're reporting on Floyd the Barber's rheumatism? Is that's the weather report. Yeah. <laughs> How well, is his, he... his, his joints are aching, so it might rain on Tuesday. Like... How is he able to pick out everyone's face? Like he's seen pictures of them. Oh, they think... have a photographer. I guess so. They're just taking pictures. Of... I, I, I guess this is more of a statement on like the. I I didn't like it. Didn't occur to me how fucking granular a new a small town newspaper could get. Yeah, no, I I believe that I believe that entirely. So, but I still don't believe him. Oh, I I, I still think I still think this dude's lying. But yeah. like, it's plausible. So he built this up. He fell in love with Mayberry, and he fell in love with Lisa. And honestly, 
I want to know what the fuck articles are written about Lisa that got this dude all, all like, hot and bothered for her. Lisa, measurements. Like, like they're just quoting her on, like, how good a picnic was, and it's like, Lisa, parentheses, measurements. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, Lisa, who enjoys this, this, and this hobbies. And missionary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Throw all this stuff in there. Oh, my God. Christ. Oh start my god, absolutely fucking <laughs> shit. Just like, yeah, no, again, like someone, like, he should have heard that explanation and been like, alright, but still fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, this is still not okay. This is still, you're well, but- I'm gonna offer I'm gonna offer a dissent here okay. because again, as somebody who has a disability where you cannot read facial expressions until you really get to know someone, you don't always know when something that you have very good intentions about comes off as really fucking creepy. So I actually had I think I might have had a very different reading than you guys did from this episode. I genuinely felt bad for the guy with the exception of the point when he's harassing someone. And I'm pretty sure in the pursuit of love in the past, I probably have crossed a line without knowing, like, that was really creepy or that was inappropriate because context and learning about human behaviors is very different when you have a brain that is really abstract. And you know what? Even in, like, today's online scape, I I did it this week. Even when you've had, like, a quote-unquote conversation with a person that is, like, remotely from you. Mm -hmm. So this week I, like found somebody that I knew from Twitter and had conversations with. And then I, like, went to introduce myself to them. Mm-hmm. We were, like, at a public gathering, and I recognized this person. And I was like, hi, person from the internet. Oh. And he just kind of looked, looked at me for a little bit and was like, oh, you! <laughs> yeah. And I, like, awkwardly came in, like, in the middle of her having a conversation with someone else. And I was like, this was poor timing. Oh, and then I was just like, this is an awkward, uncomfortable situation. Did you say that out loud? <laughs> I did not. I just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to, I'll come back or something. Like, you know. Oh, On the God. other hand, I have had that, that same interaction work out very well. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. But, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Okay. And, and you know not what? realizing they're awkward and really feeling bad about it. Or, or thinking like, I've. Just thinking that you know somebody better than you actually do from, like, the interact, the quote-unquote interactions, using that term very loosely. And, you know, um, they they do, I think the reason they sort of accept this, in lieu of, um, in lieu of of, of autism, the reason that they, they immediately go like, oh, that's why, the war. He's like, I came back from the war, and they're like... PTSD. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I. I think they're. They're basically using shell shock as like. Oh, that's why this that's, guy is yeah, kind of. PTSD. Off. It was um, the condition where soldiers come back and like they're afraid of military hats. There's actual video footage of people from World War One. Guy takes off his hat, holds it in front of the soldier. Soldier starts to have a meltdown because he's associated some really fucked up memories with a piece of clothing. Yeah. So yeah. Um. First it was shell shock, then PTSD, and it just kind of evolved. Which it was like it was a thing that didn't need to be stated at all. He literally just says war, and the and Andy just goes, "Oh, okay, yeah, got it." The line. Yeah, there's okay. not a line explaining it. They're just like they just meet and go like war, and then there's like a a, a subconscious explanation for any weird behavior. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want I want to like explain how this episode ends, and then I have a question for you too. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next thing that happens uh, is 
uh, ap- now Andy understands the situation. Uh, and he explains, he's like, you know what? These people will get to know you, but you have gone way too far, way too fast. Mm-hmm. you got to slow down. you got to give them time. You know, it's like it's like letting a dog get to know you before you pet it, you know. Uh, and he's just like, just calm down. Just pump the brakes a little bit, buddy. And our stranger, his name is Ed, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is bullshit. That's not his name. Um, <laughs> yeah, nope. Yeah, so Ed, I'm doing air quotes. Walks out of the out of the uh, and the whole town waiting for him when he gets there. The whole town is ready to beat the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and it's it's Lisa's brother who Lucy. Are we talking about Lucy, Lucy, the girl Lucy. who was harassed? Okay, yeah. she has a name, Marty. I think Lucy. we've called her Susie, Lucy, and Lisa so far. Lucy. <laughs> we may never know what her name is. <laughs> All right, so Lucy's brother is there, just ready to beat the crap out of this dude. And uh. you know what? Again. I'm kind of on his side. Yep, no, I in, totally agree. That on was that particular, the line. Yeah. yeah, the entire town is there to not to watch, to surround him and make sure there's no escape. Yeah, uh-huh. they they are going to like tar and feather him and run. They even say we're going to run him out of town. Uh-huh. There may be some pitchforks in that crowd. Like, <laughs> they treat him like he's Frankenstein's monster and just killed a child. Like uh-huh. based off of his general demeanor and like his weird robot lizard like person, I get it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm not blaming the town of Mayberry for this one. But as as stuff is coming to a head, once again, Andy takes up and talks down to everybody and says, Hey, listen up, everyone. Y'all got this wrong. Here's how this went down. He explains, like, the only crime that this man has committed is loving this town too much. Nope. And also harassing. Yeah. <laughs> there was that one, too. But, but more importantly, loving this and, town. And this is... And this is the fucked up part. After, like, Andy talks down everybody and they're like, okay, we'll accept him. How easy to sway is this town? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe this town shouldn't vote. Yeah! To be honest. Uh, The most easily convinced town ever. They're immediately like, yeah, no, on board, totally. Yeah, so so then, then, uh, the, like, gas station owner's like, come on by, I'll sell you that gas station. And the hotel owner's like, yeah, it's cheaper if you rent by the week, man. And uh, then this is the fucked up part. Lisa, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy is just like, you know, I'd, I'd be okay if you came and courted me today. No, no, have no, him, Lucy. have him like a sentence. Talk to him literally at all. And it, 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 it's also just like a really fucked up. Like it completely undercuts the moral that Andy just said because Andy's whole thing was slow it down. And turns out, no, you don't need to slow at all because, like, the entire town just like, nope. You know, we're, again. We're going to keep moving on this train. You just say the code word war and everyone's like, well, nope, we're going to give you a house. We're going to give you a business. We're going to give you a wife. Here you go. Welcome to Mayberry. <laughs> it's it's like. GI Bill. He needs an education. Yeah, yeah. Right after, right after Lucy, like, her brother should have just walked and be like, and here's a key to our house. <laughs> Swing by anytime, day or night. Uh, like, like. By the end of this episode, I'm pretty sure that Ed is on city council and Ellie is not. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I mean, all right. So, they, wait, wait. Before I, because I, I don't believe Ed's story still. What was your question? My question is this. So, we mentioned the episode The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street earlier. And that episode is famously a, uh, a metaphor for xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rod Serling comes out and basically gives this whole monologue about, like, you know, we're so worried about people from the outside and you know, we turn on ourselves and blah, blah, blah. Do you think, do you think that a xenophobia metaphor was what 
they were going for here in this episode. Because uh, Andy kind of steps up in his monologue where he's, and he's finally saying, like, you're just, you're all afraid of outsiders. Mm-hmm. You're afraid of this man for being an outsider. Do you think that that's what they were going for? I think it could have been that, but the problem is he read the newspaper and he had too many intimate details. Now, there are people that move into a small town that are not from there. Maybe they did research on best places to eat. They, if they didn't speak the language, they, they took a class where they were and then came in. This guy had in, like intimate details, so it, there was a layer beyond xenophobia for me, so I'm saying no. Yeah, no, I don't think... <clears throat> I, I think it, it, they might have been trying to go for that, but they, they felt miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that the Andy Griffith Show tried to put out a moral and failed miserable. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm I, leaving it open to possibility. I, I mean, I think that they weren't like they, they weren't they weren't going to go so far as to like have a black man show up and tell on TV. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Like, no. Like he he was he had the the different he was from the different country of being too socially forward. Yeah. Like. It, so, I feel like both of these episodes were like the Andy Griffiths are trying to be fairly progressive and just tripping over their own dicks. Like, <laughs> so, do you believe his, like, so, all right, so one thing that, like, stood out, like, to me from watching is, at one point, he's he's talking about, what is the guy's name, Joe, his, uh, his bunkmate. His bunkmate, yeah, yeah. He was talking about Joe, he's like, it sounds so great to be from somewhere, and Andy is like, well, everyone's from somewhere, like and he's like. the door for him to describe yeah. what he's doing. And he's like. I'm not. I have no family, and I've lived in hotels my entire life. Like, please son of a prostitute. Yeah, please no. And then, oh the, shit. Uh huh. Wait, what? Shit, say son that of again. a prostitute. Oh, that's valid. I was just like, <laughs> I, I heard that, and I was immediately like, alien. He's an alien. He is an alien no, that landed. Yeah, if, if son of a prostitute if, or son of a prostitute. Yeah, or or he could just be an orphan. Like. Oh. Hey. But what what orphanage has a hotel though? I mean, or what orphans live in a hotel? To, like they would be put in like a, an okay, institution, possibly. Mm-hmm. But like when he says his whole life, maybe he means his adult he, life. He well. says that he's not from anywhere. Very like he's like I'm not from anywhere. No, well, it reminds oh, me of Chuck Klosterman. Was... Yeah, but um, Sorry, Chuck Klosterman in one of his essays, he wrote questions that he likes to ask people to find out. Like, is this just an acquaintance, or is this somebody I'm going to get close with? One of them was, you're sitting in a bar, guy comes in, and you look over, and the bartender says, don't talk to that man, he has no past. Second guy comes in, sits down at the bar, bartender says, don't talk to him, he has a past. Which guy are you more likely to talk to, based on, like, do you want to talk to the one that has no past, or the one that has a past? I don't know how I'm going to relate this back to Andy Griffith's show, but that's a really good question. Like, I mean, no past guy. Yeah, no past, no past. Because, like, again, same same thing. Nobody has no past. Right, but I like knowing that the one guy has a past, because I have some expectations now. Like, hey, if you do something really random, it's like, oh, okay, because you have a past and maybe some fucked up stuff happened in that past, we'll work on it. But when I have nothing to base, like, I have nothing to hang my hat on and really find out, like, am I safe with you? At least I know with the other guy, there might be some quirks here, and there might be a moment where I have to opt out and say, this is, you know, this is a little too much for me, I'm going to go home now. With the other guy, you don't know what you're getting yourself into, and the fear of the unknown is something that makes me very uneasy. Yeah, for me, it's just, it would just be pure curiosity, like, what the fuck does no past mean? (laughs) Do you mean he didn't exist prior to opening that door and coming in this bar? Honestly, I hear that guy has a past, and I'm immediately like, okay, so he's going to tell me about his divorce the entire time. That doesn't sound appealing (laughs) at all. 
All right, so let's go ahead and let's y'all get something else. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. This one pretty long. So if you've never listened to the show before, or if you've ever been on the show before, we end each episode by rating our our two Andy Grove Show episodes uh, on two scales. One is our Andy meter, which is how good is this episode? Like how much did we actually enjoy watching it? Mm-hmm. And the second one is the FIFO meter, which is how horrifying is the shit that goes down in this episode? Or morally reprehensible. Yeah, like, yeah. or morally reprehensible, sure. Um, and what's the scale that we're... 1 to 10. Yeah. To 10. Scale 1 being not at all, and 10 being like, holy shit balls, this is Exactly, yes. exactly. So, so starting with episode 10, Ellie for Council. Um, starting with episode 10, Ellie for Council. Uh, 1 through 10, Andes. Marta, how good is this episode? How much did you like it? I really liked Ellie running for council. The thing that did it for me was the girlfriend running out in her slope being like, well, this just won't stand. I'm going to go show him right now. I wanted her to come back, though, so I'll give it a nine. Nine Andes. All right. right. Nine Andes. Uh, I'd say, I mean, in terms of story, it's not that funny at any point. The montages are funny. The montages are funny. Other than that, it's not, I'd say like five. Oh, man. See, any, any episode I think that focuses on Ellie, on Eleanor Donahue, because she's, like, so much better than everyone else, is guaranteed five Andes from me. And I'll give it, like, another... Although this one does bother me, because her characterization and her motives are all over I mean, the place. She doesn't really have anything to do in this, besides get, like, mildly pissed off. Hmm. And those montages were funny, so I'm gonna go with, like... I'm gonna give it seven Andes. Hmm. All right. Little here. All right, now... <laughs> five of five scores. Holy shit! Right. I mean, is there an eleven on the bear, five score? Bear, bearing in mind that, like, not only are we using domestic violence as a punchline like four times, we're just all chill with it. But voter also, suppression. like a voter suppression campaign, like managed by the most powerful man in town, which Andy is. Yeah. Uh, and so, I'm gonna go ahead and okay. So where see. Marta, you can do whatever you want with it. Dan and I have to, like, try to put this in context of other things that we've seen. It's horrifying. Oh, crap. Um, Okay, so what... But it's not as bad as committing a crime or staging a crime that didn't happen. I'm gonna... gonna, That's hard! That's so hard! It is hard. I'm gonna gonna go... One of them is... 8.5 fives. It's up there. What? All right. So, what did we rank? Was uh, was the staged robbery a nine? Yeah, I think we did. We okay, so uh, so that's hard because one of them is a felony and the other one is a civil rights violation. Um, I'm gonna put it even. It's an it's it's also a nine. Nine fives. All right. Yeah, they're 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 dead heat. Uh, Marta, how morally reprehensible is this? I'm gonna go with a nine. All right. I'm go on the higher end of the spectrum. Really, really high on them five scales. Yeah. All right. It's a good episode, but there's a lot of problems I, with it. Again, like this would be if this happened in like modern day, this would there we would see the hearing for this on C-SPAN. Yeah. Like. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So the next episode, episode twelve, Stranger in Town, uh, Andy Meter, Marta. Stranger in Town. It was. I didn't enjoy it as much as episode 10. I think, like, the creepy meter. It felt like, again, like we were saying earlier, it's like they were in a Twilight Zone episode and didn't realize it until it got really weird. Yeah. So, I'm gonna say seven. Seven Andes for this episode. It's okay, but... I'd say I'd six. Six Andes. See, I'm, I'm about right. to say, I, I liked this episode oh, yeah. a lot because of its, like, weird uh, Twilight Zone and, like, because it made me feel uncomfortable and had that, like, like had that 
this is the first time that I've felt uncomfortable and like awkward, and the Andy Griffith show was trying to make me feel that way. Mm-hmm. Counterpoint, though, this was also the first time we couldn't remember the order of scenes. It's that muddled and confused of an episode of TV that we can't remember the order in which things happen. You know what? You make a good point. You make a good point. I'm yeah. going to also go seven. Seven yeah. of these. Uh, and then, like, how Fifometer, uh, I mean, the the fa- the only thing that really bothers me a whole lot about this is the Lucy, Lucy thing. Um, but then again, like, you know, I, I gave four to a kid, like, having a shotgun pointed at his face. <laughs> so... Uh, you I, got priorities. I fucked that scale up all sorts of. We you, we really have to create like a living document of this. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say five five fives. Um, I'm gonna say. I mean, there is also the unlawful search. Ah, you know, five fives. Yeah, five fives, no, really, yeah. just the 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 complete disregard for a woman's personal safety. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go five fives as well. It's right. not good, but it's not like pointing a gun in a kid's face. It's it's not nearly as bad as it has been previously. Yeah, and compared to the last episode. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, and wrap ourselves up here. So one one thing to mention, we uh, have new music and new art. Should like credit oh. the people that have uh, contributed that. Yes, yes. So we have new uh, new music, new art. Uh, Max Ludwig. You can follow him at at Sleepy Talkie. At Sleepy Talkie on Twitter, and our art is from uh, Emily Christina, who you can find at Scrib Emily uh, on Instagram and on Instagram. Yep. You can, and where can you find us? You can find us, email us uh, all of your, like, thoughts on the Andy Griffith Show. You can email us, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Uh, we have an email us. account now. We do. <laughs> Send it spam every day. Sweet. Follow us on Twitter, at breakmayberry. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at schneidremarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D remarks. Daniel? At the Luds. Marta? At Marta Rusick. That's M-A-R-T-A-R-U-S-E-K. And uh, our, I think our per-episode thing, tweet at Ron Howard. Just Please, tweet at Ron just, Howard. Just, <laughs> just a couple of blips on Ron, on Ron Howard. Just, just, you, you don't have to like specifically promote us. Just you know, just tweet at him. Just <laughs> let him know how, he, how you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> just tell Ron Howard about your day. Uh... If you like this episode, of course, be sure to share with your friends, subscribe. We'll be on iTunes, so you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that you do. Until next time, we will see y'all down at the fishing hole. I think I think you should really just insult people by just giving different pastries. Like, <laughs> yeah, shut the hell up, you maple donut. You what? Uh, you chocolate Claire, you <laughs> cannoli sounds. You can't do cannoli. That sounds racist. Yeah, no, that's because that is that is that has been used as a racist slur. I've also heard people use um, oh crap, what was it cannoli as a sexual thing? Like, I'll fill that cannoli up, and it's like, oh god, is cannoli a dick? 
Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying cannoli is the vagina, right? Because yes. you put the cream inside of it. Oh. 